Exodus chapter 19. So here in Exodus, God's people have come out of Egypt. They were slaves to Pharaoh and the Egyptians there. This is sometime around 1440 or 1220 BC. They've been brought out. They're at Mount Sinai, somewhere in Arabia. And God has come down in fire on the mountain. So we've talked about that the last couple of weeks. God in fire, God showing His holiness to His people there. And in verse 16, we pick it up as God approaches on the third day. Exodus 19:16. Then it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound of the trumpet was very loud so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded loud and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also let the priests who have come near the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you warned us, saying, Set bounds around the mountain and sanctify it. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and spoke to them. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would help us to register your holiness. Teach us first to visualize, to understand what happened here at Mount Sinai. And then help us to see profoundly and powerfully that the way into heaven, the way to see your face is still shut to us, that our mediator has to go for us to meet with you, to see your face and to bring your word to us. We thank you for the mediator, for the Lord Jesus Christ who sees your face and comes and tells us. We ask that you would help us to listen. We pray that you would keep us from trying to break through to gaze at the Lord. We ask it, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, this chapter builds and builds and then seems to end on something of an anticlimax. The building, the build-up, is towards meeting with God. Moses says that this is what's going to happen. He tells the people in verse 17 that he's bringing them out of the camp to meet God. 
And then God unilaterally cancels the meeting. No, the people are not going to meet with me today or ever. And Moses simply has to go back down to tell the people, sorry I dragged you all out of camp. The meeting is off. Now what do we make of that? Why does God cancel the meeting? And the answer is God cancels the meeting to underline to the people that they don't understand holiness. There is no easy access to the presence of God. You can't go to God on your own. The mediator must go for you. That's what happened to Israel at Sinai and that my friends, is still true for us. God's holiness is brighter and more powerful than we can rightly imagine. So we see this first in anticipation. There's this plan to meet God on the third day. It keeps coming up. God himself said, verse 11, on the third day the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. People are going to get to see me come down. And then verse 16, God does so. There were thunderings, lightnings, and a cloud on the mountain. So the people don't get to see God. They get to see a cloud. It's a big, nasty cloud. It's dark. It's shot through with lightning and smoke. But that is how God is revealing himself to them. We talked last time about how he came wrapped in the thick cloud to say, you can't see me. You can see the signs of my presence. You can't see me directly in an unmediated way. So then Moses takes these sayings from God that God is coming and that the people will see him coming. And Moses adds his own idea to them if you read verse 17, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, you can scan the rest of the chapter in vain. God never told him, bring everyone out to meet with me. This appears to be Moses' own idea. And he builds it up. You're not meeting the president. You're not meeting some Hollywood A-lister. You're meeting someone far more important and majestic than the biggest earthly celebrity could ever be. So they gave it two days of preparing their clothes. They built a fence around the mountain, verse 12. They did lots of things to get ready for God to come on the third day. You had to be physically clean. You had to be sexually clean. You had to be geographically clean. Don't go near the mountain. Because the person who touches the mountain is shot with a bow and arrow for violating the holiness of God, for treating that dirt with contempt. The dirt is not yours to be walked on. It belongs to God. God is using this mountain. Stay off. That was the message. But Moses says, it's here, people. We get to go up the mountain. We get to see God. Get ready. Clean your clothes. On the morning of the third day, he leads them all out of the camp. See, they had been brought out of Egypt to serve God. How can you serve a God you don't know? How do you serve a God you've never met? 
Moses is excited. This plan, this will be solved. This problem of serving a God we've never met because we are going to go up the mountain and meet Him. I am going to introduce the people to God. The gates of Eden are about to open up and the people of Israel, Moses thinks, will walk on through. If that had happened, that would have been a happy ending to the book of Exodus. That would have been a happy ending for the whole Bible. Adam and Eve sin in the previous book in Genesis. They're thrown out of the garden. The angel with the flaming sword stands there to keep them out. Now he's gone. Now the gate at the bottom of Sinai opens up and Moses leads them all up and they see the face of God and live happily ever after the end. Because if you see the face of God, you are living happily. There is nothing better worth seeing. Well, that's what Moses has in his mind. This is what he thinks is going to happen. The exodus will all be worth it. Everyone will meet God and our problems will be over. Moses thinks it's going to happen. He brings the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. So then Moses speaks. We're not told what he said in verse 19. God comes down on Sinai and then God calls Moses to the top of the mountain. God says, Moses, come up. So once again, right as we saw, the mountain has been fenced off. There's a gate at the foot of Sinai, presumably. Moses alone goes through the gate, shuts it behind him, and climbs the mountain into the presence of God, leaving the rest of the people shut out. They're on one side of the gate. God is on the other side. And the gate is closed. People can't go into the presence of God. It's not going to be as simple as we thought it was. It's the exclusion from Eden all over again. The very fact that God says, Moses, come up alone, means the rest of you, stay out. You're not welcome in the presence of God. And what's the first thing that God says when Moses gets to the top? Moses gets to the top, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. God says, I don't think it was clear enough. I don't think you slammed that gate hard enough. I want you to go back down and tell them, under no circumstances should you approach this gate. Do not come up the mountain. Stay out of the presence of God. Do I make myself clear? That's God's word to Moses. Because why? Well, God says they might break through to gaze at the Lord like the men of Jabesh Gilead who looked into the Ark of the Covenant and died These people, God says, want to come up the mountain and stare at me and they're going to die. You cannot see my face and live, God tells Moses a few chapters later. 
Well, why not? Well, imagine somebody comes to you and says, I'm arranging a little solar expedition. We're going to go to the sun. We're sending a lander to the sun. We will get out and we will walk around on the sun. Maybe take some samples. See what it's like. What would you say to that person? You don't understand what you're trying to do. If you get within 10 million miles of the sun, you'll burn up. You can't land on the sun. Right? The person could say, well, I'll go at night. It doesn't work. It's never night on the sun. But anyway, that's what God is communicating to Moses to tell the people. If you come up into the presence of God, you will be fried faster than a spaceship trying to land on the sun. Because you know how hot, how big, how powerful the sun is? God is hotter, bigger, more powerful than the sun. Not in a physical sense, but in a metaphysical sense. God's holiness, God's purity, God's energy is such that to approach Him is to be consumed. The sun doesn't have it out for astronauts. It's not that the sun is bad-tempered and flames things that approach it. That's just what it is. It is a consuming fire. And the same is true of God. Our God, the Bible tells us twice, Old Testament and New, is a consuming fire. God tells Moses, don't let the people come up. Don't let them come and gaze on the Lord. Now why would the people want to gaze on the Lord? The answer is that the gaze on the Lord is the sum of all blessedness. Again, as I've been saying about the sun, most of us really like seeing the sun. We like living in a sunny place. Light is good. It is pleasant to the eyes to see the sun. Imagine being in a cave for two or three weeks, two or three years, and never seeing the sun. Imagine being in a cave for a lifetime. But God is even more glorious than that. Again, that's just a pale image of why you would want to see the Lord. The Bible says this, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. In the book of Revelation, we're promised that we will see His face. We shall see Him as He is, says First John. And as we read in our Confession of Faith a few minutes ago, to see the face of God in light and glory is what we were made to do. We're made for relationship. We're not made to be alone. We're made for God. Now how do you put those two things together? God says, if they come up and look at me, I'll burn them to a crisp. But He also says, they will see my face someday. See, that's the whole struggle. That's, what, that's why there's the rest of the Bible. If Israel could have just walked up the mountain and seen the face of God, 
we wouldn't need the rest of it. Our problem would be solved. Our problem of being shut out from God by that gate. The problem is not that easy to solve. The face of God is not public property. We don't have a right to see it. Breaking through to gaze on the Lord ultimately refers to any attempt to see or experience or profit from God on our terms rather than His. Pictured for us by Israel breaking down the gate and climbing up the mountain. There are many other ways to do this. We can think that our own smarts are enough to get us into heaven. Well, God, I'm allowed to see your face because I'm smarter than most people. I'm allowed to see your face because I'm better than most people. I do a lot of good things. God, I'm allowed to see your face because I spend a lot of time reading my Bible and going to church. So you've got to let me see your face. Or, God, I'm richer than most people. You gotta let me in, because I can pay. Any of those attempts to gain access to God on our own terms are doomed to failure. That's just like Israel wanting to break through and gaze on the Lord. <coughs> Ultimately, what is God saying? You can't get in to see me without my help. I provide a mediator who brings you in to see my face or you don't get in. That's the message. And as long as we think that we can get in without God's help, we're asking to be burned up. That was Israel at risk of breaking through to gaze on the Lord and perish. So God adds then a second warning. Tell the priests to sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Even the priests, the people who are professionally used to working with God, God says, even they shouldn't come up, or I'll break out against them. What is he saying? You have the wrong idea about holiness. You spent two days getting holy, and you think that if you spend a couple more, you'll be holy enough. You think it's some quantitative thing, where if you just spend enough time trying to be holy... Eventually it'll work and you can come into my presence. But that's not what it is. God is saying the people can't come into my presence. The priests can't come into my presence. They have to stay on the far side of that fence. And so what does Moses say? Moses presents this very odd excuse. Verse 23, And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. God says, tell him not to come up. And Moses says, uh, God, we've had this conversation. The thing you're warning about literally can't happen. You told us, remember this, God? You warned us saying, set a fence around the mountain, make it holy. Moses is like, God, three days ago you said, build a fence. We built the fence. Why are you so worried that everyone is going to come up the mountain. Right? Moses doesn't get it either. We say, God, why are you so worried about your holiness? 
Why are you so afraid? You know, we can't, we have no ability to send that lander to the surface of the sun. We won't get anywhere close. Why are we being warned not to do it? We have no ability to come into your presence, God. How would we do that? Is there a stairway to heaven that we can climb? Is the Tower of Babel here it's with its top in heaven? We can't break into the presence of God. Why this warning? We tend to think like Moses. God, if you're worried about me coming in in an unauthorized way and gazing on your face, don't worry. It won't happen. I'm not going to do it. I would never dream of trespassing into the private area of the White House. I wouldn't dream of trying to break into the back window of Buckingham Palace. Not my idea of a good time. God says, you don't get it. Here's the thing. We don't worry about transgressing His holiness because we don't understand holiness. We don't get how stringent His requirements are. In order to be fit to see the face of God, well, ultimately, God has to change you. There is nothing we can do to change ourselves to the place where we could go through that gate and walk up that mountain. It's about the invitation from God and the transformation from God. That's why Moses could go up. God invited him, not the rest of Israel. God changed Moses so Moses would be able to stand it. So Israel has arrived at Sinai, and what's the message of Sinai? The message of Sinai is a gate that's shut in their faces. No. No further. Don't come up the mountain. Stay out. You get to Sinai, and the message of Sinai is you aren't holy enough. That's what they're told as they meet this slammed gate. Moses tries to tell God, no, God, you're worried about the wrong thing. And God just says, away, get down, then come up, you and Aaron, don't let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. No, the meeting is canceled, Moses. We're not doing this. If God had scrapped the plan, let the people into his presence, they would have been burned up. And so the rest of the book is about how the people build a holiness containment structure. A tent in which God can live and be among his people without burning them up. A place where he can be in the camp with the people, but not destroy them. That's what the next 20 chapters of Exodus are all about. So look at that over the next few weeks. But in the meantime, what's the message? Well, the message is what God tells Moses. Go down, tell the people not to come up, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. The mediator will go to God for you. You don't get to go to God by yourself. Moses, you'll go for the people. People, you stay on the far side of the fence. So what's the message for us? We can't go to heaven on our own. There's no daily flights from Denver to heaven. We go to heaven through Jesus. 
He goes to God for us. He speaks from God to us. The mediator is the one who makes it possible. The mediator is the one who sees the face of God, tells you what it's like, and who invites you and transforms you so that you can live in such a way to attain to seeing the face of God. If the chapter is a warning to us, don't think you can come into God's presence on your own. You can't do it. You have to have the mediator. Only Moses can climb the mountain. Only Jesus can say, I'm ascending to my Father and then just sail up to heaven. Don't try to climb the mountain on your own. Don't say, well, the other people who tried to land on the sun have failed, but I've got an idea that's going to outsmart the sun. I'm bringing a bigger air conditioner. Don't say that. God will burn up those who come into his presence without the invitation and without the transformation. But Christ has invited us into the presence of God. Christ is transforming us into the image of God. And with Jesus, we go into the presence of God. So how do we do that now? Well, we do it by prayer. We do it by reading our Bible. We especially do it by coming to church. It's how we begin to get an inkling of hearing from Jesus what the face of God is like. And the more we do that, the day will come when we die and that invitation from God comes saying, now you can see my face. Jesus is in heaven now seeing his Father's face. So listen to him. Hear his invitation. Seek his transformation. The gate is shut for now. But Jesus has gone through and he's promised to come back and open it for everyone who trusts in him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that though heaven is inaccessible to us, though we can't break through to gaze at you, even though we sometimes try, Lord, we praise you that your Son is welcome in your presence, that he is one of us, and that he has ascended up into heaven, that he sees your face every day, that he sees your face every moment, that he's told us about the bliss and joy of being with you and seeing your face and living with you for eternity. We thank you for Jesus, our mediator, the one who brings us into your perfectly holy presence. Father, we ask that you would help us to trust him, help us to love him, Help us to delight in Him. Thank You for the invitation to come to heaven and to see Your face. Thank You for the holiness containment structure, the tabernacle that allowed You to live in the midst of Your people without destroying them. Father, we thank You for the better way in which You are present in the gathering of Your people today, that You come, that You are in church with us, that here you show us something of your beauty and your glory and transform us so that we are fit to go to heaven and see your Father's face. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.